Hey guys, it's Britley with Britley Photography and your host of Excelsior. If you like my podcast and you like what I do, please consider becoming a member so I can continue sharing stories of artists and entrepreneurs. As a, as a member on my Patreon, there are different tiers and you can get gifts from the podcast guests. You can see the podcast guest list ahead of time and ask questions. Um, I will be asking you and you will also get other things like gift cards to restaurants and tickets to art shows that I'll be hosting once a month. So again, check out my Patreon and even just a dollar a month to $20 a month, you'd be helping me continue doing my podcast and sharing stories of artists and entrepreneurs. Thank you again for listening to my podcast, Excelsior. Something you gotta feel that living just don't do. Hey, this is Eric Mitchell, and you are listening to the Excelsior Podcast. Yeah, you are. <laughs> like, I love being surrounded by dogs and kids all the oh, time. Like, I think that's no great. Yeah. We'll, we'll make that happen. <laughs> I love it. Oh, wow. This is so exciting. <laughs> we have such a fun summer to look forward to. Oh, absolutely. Um, and music and music. Oh, my gosh. Like outdoor, a little music, fire, dogs and kids running around. It doesn't have to be little either. I mean, Mm-mm. I own a production company. Yeah. <gasps> oh, my gosh. And I also want to We can have parties you. for 500 people. Yes. I don't know if our house would really fit for that, but we, but we could do... What you do shows is you plan now with your neighborhood for oh. the uh, neighborhood uh, night out. Yeah. So then when they do the block party for it, oh yeah, you get it signed up and we come out and we we terrorize your neighborhood. Let's do it! So, oh my gosh, let's terrorize my neighborhood. Yeah. I live on a dead end, so it'd be fun to just like get the neighbors in that like dead end and oh my gosh, fun. Okay, so um, I'm here with Eric. Eric. Oh, Mitchell. Mitchell. Eric Mitchell, yeah. (laughs) Eric Mitchell. So, Eric, you are the third Eric of podcast guests. I don't know if I told you that. So, it's... Popular. I don't know. Popular name. Eric Mitchell is going to be the best. No, I'm just kidding. Can I say that? I mean, I'll be as as best (laughs) as... I'll be the best me. Um, The best... But I'm pretty sure you had some other great Eric's, so... Um, I've had only one on so far, so you're the second. And you guys are both great. But, um, Eric, so you are um, a former member of The Jelly Project, mm-hmm. which it was my favorite band. Oh, thank you. One of my favorite. You guys are amazing. I am very sad that you guys broke up. And um, it was I, fun. yeah, I want to talk about you and talk about you, like your music and also The Jelly Project specifically if, um, today because I... I'm sad that they broke up. Are you sad? Um, maybe. Sure. Uh, it's yeah. Bands are like very intimate relationships. The only thing similar might be something you have with a spouse, mm-hmm. a significant other, and when you break up you have all these added emotions because of the depth you sure. you have this interaction you have with these other people so to say if i'm sad about it well yeah there's 
there's some sadness, but there's reasons why you split up. Yeah. And uh, if you're honest with yourself, hopefully those were for healthy reasons. Sure. And you can reflect and say, you know, we had a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, and as time passes, remove some of it. So would I love to make music with those people again? Of course. Like, we made made fantastic stuff, but priorities changed. Yeah. So. Yeah, I get that. Um, let's talk about, let's start, a, and let's just talk about you. Like, how you got into music. Uh, I mean, I, I my oldest memories contain music. Really? So, I don't, I don't know how I, like, nobody forced me into music. Sure. Um. I was raised for uh, a period of my youth in the Mormon church, who is very uh, musical. Mm -hmm. Um, And they indoctrinate you uh, as a toddler with music. So that's how they're sharing scripture and biblical stories um, is with song. And uh, so it was a very my very early memories are you know singing with people and then at the same time there was a piano in the house Mm -hmm. so I was always knocking on the piano and playing stuff and then I know we also had some uh some bells too some uh um I can't think of the term of what they are but yeah um some bells that you know you knock and clack on yeah um and those just always gave me an outlet tie that in with my mother was a teacher, a uh, kindergarten teacher. Huh. So she was very good at reaching youth, mm-hmm. you know, teaching kids how to be open, expressive, and drive for things they wanted. And that just gave me an open environment to explore and figure out oh. what I liked. So when I was eight, they tried to get me into piano, and I took piano for about a year. But... I was too interested in sports at the time. Mm-hmm. I was playing soccer, um, and to really be focused, um, my sports, uh, I did soccer in the fall, um, I did track in the spring, and then I did soccer and other athletic camps during the summer. Mm-hmm. So trying to tie in music on top of that just wasn't, really wasn't what I wanted. Like, I yeah. wanted my downtime to be playing video games, because, you know, <laughs> I'm a little kid. Yeah. Which, honestly, I'm still a kid, because <laughs> I want my downtime to still be playing video games. Yeah. Um, but it, it was a good environment to be able to be expressive. I was always in church choirs. So, uh, from church choirs, I was then into school choirs. Um, and my sister, very similar with the type of music, um, because again, exposed to the same things I was, she's a couple years older than me. She took violin, um, as a kid and did that for a number of years and, uh, then she was in choir, and so she was, until our parents had divorced, when we were teenagers, she was a couple of years ahead of me in school. Mm-hmm. And so there was this, she was very good at music, very good at singing. And I'd come up a couple of years afterward, and there was the expectation of me being also very good. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we ended up being first chair in our sections as we both moved up. And Whoa, this isn't singing. I feel like I feel like I'm in... in choirs fame right now like in the presence of fame (laughs) these were this was at the time of a you know small town small town minnesota where'd you grow up well originally from uh california 
okay. north of LA, which is a, a town called Valencia. If you've ever been there, you, you or if you ever been to Magic Mountain, you know, oh, sure. you've been to Valencia. But we moved to Minnesota when I was 11, so it was 93. Okay. And uh, from there, stayed there in, uh, in Winona until uh, my parents split when I was 15, and then I moved up to Minneapolis. Winona's pretty cool, though. It's beautiful there. Um, it is. That's actually where I met Paul from the Jelly Project. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So, uh... Uh, there's, I mean, he, so he's a couple years older than me mm-hmm. and we became friends and, uh, he introduced me to psychedelics and we had a lot of fun exploring those. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I was 14 years old, uh, <laughs> 15 prior to, uh, my parents splitting and me moving in with my mm-hmm. dad in the cities. But, um, yeah, my sister... She did choir. She stayed down there with my mom, and she actually continued um, in choir, and then also doing uh, doing the musicals in the theater mm-hmm. department. Oh, cool! That's what she does now. Does she do stuff still out in Winona? No, no, she's in the cities now. Oh, okay. Um, she did college for a bit down there, and then she moved up to the cities when she was nineteen or twenty. Okay. Um, and yeah, now she just has a little spot over in St. Paul, and. Uh, you know, likes to play her uh, tabletop games and stuff, and um, that's and I I try to see her as much as I can. But my family is, is we're we've never been that you know everybody gets together yeah. type of family. Yeah. So we see her when we can, and uh, yeah, just no real stress about it. Cool. Well, yeah, that's awesome. So you come from like a musical family. Well, just you and your sister are pretty musical. Right? I I mean. Yeah, my parents didn't weren't really playing any instruments. Sure, they just pushed you guys to do what you loved. Yeah, and I felt like there was a piano in the house because, uh, and it, I mean, actually, it wasn't even a piano; it was an organ. <laughs> if I'm remembering right, it was it was an old organ because it had the two layers and all the buttons and stuff. And oh, cool! So I, I yeah, and I just always messed around with it as much as I could, um, and I think it was just there because. It just was the thing to have. Yeah. You know, we were a very normal California suburban household. Sure. Like, that makes sense. Nothing. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say there was anything, uh, you know, spectacularly different about us. Yeah. It was a, a happy, healthy childhood. Cool. That's good. It sounds like your mom, like, um, was a really positive influence on y- your musical career. Um and um, all the things that you've done. Um, uh, how old were you when you, or I guess how long ago was Jelly Project? When did they get together? Um, I'm going to probably be off on my dates a little bit, but it was, I think, 2009 or 2010. 2000. All right. And tell me about the Jelly Project. Like, how did it come to what it is? Um, so Chris the bass player and I had been roommates for a while. Um, I met him through another mutual friend and we'd become roommates and we had been making music together. And (coughs) simultaneously, um, after not seeing Paul for a long time, he had come back into my life. Mm -hmm. 
um, and he was doing art and I was doing music and uh, and then Jelly was introduced through another friend and we used to have these house parties Chris and I did we used to have these house parties every Friday night we're in South Minneapolis um, and I mean we would you know full bands just jams probably from I don't know 7 8 p.m. until 1 in the morning music was ridiculously loud you could hear it from a half block away really <laughs> neighbors I mean we did this for two years neighbors never called the cops really never called the cops wow that's really nice of them I <laughs> I I mean some of the neighbors would come and party with us I, I always that's great I love that it taught me a valuable lesson about having parties I mean like we didn't have people pouring out into the street and causing problems right um and being outside people weren't necessarily super loud but at the same time I mean if they were there was still this huge loud music yeah but I like to think that what we were doing didn't suck mm -hmm. so the neighbors weren't complaining about it because there was actually like <laughs> good, good music, music and good vibes <laughs> coming out of the place yeah um and we had a number of people and I'm not gonna go down the names uh nameless but a um, number of different musicians at different parts of their their careers would pop in and out of there yeah um and so we were just a party music house and jelly was one of the people who came over and she started uh singing some of the songs i'd written oh wow and um my drummer at the time had and it wasn't paul but he had mentioned that she would be really good at mm -hmm. doing these songs yeah. and i didn't really pay much mind to that mm -hmm. so fast forward we've moved out of this place now we have a new studio type house in, in uptown minneapolis and there's an area uh over by luchain uptown mm -hmm. where there's a couple blocks where a bunch of these houses actually have isolation booths in the basement so we were in one of them we had a couple of iso booths in the basement of our house so this turned to the new party house for us cool and jelly had come over because she wanted to do um, a music project mm -hmm. and uh, I'd agreed to help her and so same time roughly um, I was busing uh, I'd come home from my job I'd seen a drum kit on the way home and um, uh, I knew Paul was looking for a kit at that time mm -hmm. and called Paul up said hey you know this person's got a kit and this is one of those the guy's got all of his stuff out it's like the fifth of the month the guy's got all of his stuff out on the side of the the apartment he's been evicted mm -hmm. he's the you know he and his uh, partner are just trying to sell everything they can to make it easier to move and you know here he's got like a thousand dollars worth of drums and cymbals and everything and he's just trying to get whatever he can yeah and so paul goes and sees it checks it out picks it up i forget what it was for but it was around 300 bucks or so so you know at, at meth head eviction yeah. uh, deal of the week yeah and uh he brought it over and he's setting it up and jelly's coming over to do some tracking and i need her to be warmed up mm -hmm. and paul's gonna play his kit okay well let's let's you know jam out for like 30 minutes just get her voice and um warmed up well the 30 minutes turned into a couple of hours and then she had to leave so there's just this instant chemistry and vibe we're just riffing 
um, she's singing, I'm playing guitar, Paula's just drumming, and we, you know, we're just, it was good vibes. Yeah. We get done, uh, Jelly leaves, and Paula and I are standing there like, man, this was, this is good. When, you know, in anything in life, when you have a natural chemistry with people, if you have the chance, you should try to pursue it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it, what can happen from that is, can be just absolutely amazing. And Which it was. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just put that out there. <laughs> and so she left, and, and Paul and I were talking. We're like, oh, man, you know, we should really, we should really pursue this and see what, what comes of it. And then, we're, you know, of course, the first thing, we're like, well, you know, what are we going to call this thing? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, I don't know, what are we going to call this Jelly Project, right? Because it was a, <laughs> it was Jelly. Yeah. And we're, now we're starting a new project. There was nothing spectacular about finding the name to it. It was just, it was a, it was a question posed. <laughs> and so it, we're just like, well, we'll just call it Jelly Project for, for now. We'll yeah. see what comes of it. Now we have to find a bass player while well, I've been playing guitar for Chris. And Chris has been playing bass for me for for a while at this point and he wanted to be in a very i mean heavy band and we were we were in a kind of the band that we were doing together was a rage against the machine style band sure um heavy riffs and uh heavy vocals and uh we approached him about it and this and jelly project wasn't it was heavy but it wasn't you know as heavy as what he had necessarily wanted yeah and we approached him about it and we're like hey you know would you be a part of this? And he's like, ah, it doesn't really sound like what I want to do. Right. And we're like, okay, well, um, can you, you know, just maybe be a part of it to start just so we can have something to move forward with? And he agreed. And we got a show at the uh, now defunct 501 Club. Mm-hmm. So our debut show was at the 501. And we had about two months or so um, from the time that we kind of all came together and we're like, all right, we're going to do this. And to get Jelly accustomed, because she wasn't used to performing in front of people, we mm-hmm. took her to Plums, which has a great open mic on Sunday nights. Oh, yeah. I was there last Sunday. Then you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Hensley does a fantastic job curating that. Yeah. And we took her there to get her used to being in front of people. And uh, we did that for the first couple of months. We worked on a number of different songs. and. Wow. and we drew really heavily on that first show from things that I had written as well as covers mm-hmm. just to uh, make sure that we did have uh, a number of songs we could play. And we did it. Uh, it was received very well. Um, and we just kind of hit the ground running from there. Really? And um, the band, everyone stayed together? Yeah. Yeah, no one left. That is so cool. That was the original, and in, in about two months later, we signed a band contract with each other. Um, you know, just kind of how we would divvy up songwriting credits and mm-hmm. um, other things uh, in regard to intellectual property rights and wow. just making sure that we understood it was a business. Yeah. Um, and that helped out immensely mm-hmm. in being able to pursue it and push it because we always took it very seriously mm-hmm. um you know and, and of course we still had problems that every band has um, yeah. internal problems external problems it's just going to happen but we loved what we did and we just uh we rolled with it as hard as we could and we had a good run for five years 
we were able to release an EP and two LPs, which actually just last month got put on Spotify. Yeah, um, which I'm really pumped about. <laughs> I'm I'm very happy to have them out there as well, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we're about to celebrate. I think by the time this airs, um, it'll be post this, but on April 14th, 2022, will be 10 years since the release of our first LP, Ugly Dirty. So ah. we're just coming around the corner. I I very much wanted to um, contact uh, one or more of the old bandmates and see if they wanted to do anything, just a little quick oh, live stream or something. Uh, I, it, at this point in time, um, I'm not entirely... <laughs> it's not just the, 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 like how short of a time it is. Yeah. At this point in time, I'm not really sure you can get the four of us in a room together. Mm. Like, there is there's drama. Drama, okay. You know, there there's big feelings, and um, I don't. There's, and I mean, this is even for myself. There's a lot of apologizing. Yeah. To, you know, and a lot of, of of forgiveness that would need to happen. I think before. Something do, you think, do you think that will ever happen? So you guys can. I don't. I we had, we had talked about mm-hmm. before we ever broke up about if we broke up, mm-hmm. would we ever want to uh, do a reunion? And after we broke up, we had talked about it because we remained friends for for a number of years. Sure. And we had. We'd seen friends who had done reunion shows with their bands Mm -hmm. and had talked to them and and about what their experiences were like. And the thing that really stuck with me is from um, one of our good friends. uh, I don't want to say too much about him, Um, Mm -hmm. but he he used to run an internet radio station, been a number of, of bands, had some... Uh, similar success that we had had with TJP and he'd done a reunion show and he said it was probably one of the more disappointing things he'd ever done Mm. they'd had this um, they'd had a big turnout Mm. right huge turnout for him and while the experience was kind of fun he's like you can never truly remake the magic of what you had because Mm. you know you're you might maybe as a technician musically you might be better Maybe you've stayed on your instruments and you've you've improved. Yeah. But, you know, when Jelly Project had ended, because we didn't end as our music was getting worse, we were we were really at the peak, and there was just personal issues that mm. were, were pulling things apart. We ended at the peak of our, our abilities. Like, we were all in better shape. Mm. You know, we had the energy. Our bodies weren't as beat up. I mean, we beat the hell out of ourselves at the time for the shows that we did. We were wow. very active. Um I could not do the kind of performances I did. Sure. You know, seven, eight, nine years ago, my body, I would have to work out for probably six months to be able to, (laughs) I mean, seriously, it was, believe you, that's, yeah, it was intense. I mean, Jelly was running three to five miles almost every day. Oh my gosh. You know, and she's running and she's singing and doing heavy cardio so she can, she can perform. Yeah. Um, and that would go for, you know, all of us were in, in just better condition. And then you take, just all the other things there's no way we could reproduce what we did oh boom what we did then yeah 
to, um, to, there's no way we could reproduce it. Yeah. And because of that, we wouldn't be able to give people the same experience. Sure. And, and that's almost disappointing. Right. As a band. Right. Yeah. Do we want to tarnish anything, any of the memories? Yeah. Like, well, that, that was weird. Like, I don't know, like you want to really, as like a reunion show, you'd want it to be as best as you could or, or as good as. If, if we were going to do a reunion show, we'd want it to be the best show we ever did. Yeah. We would want it to be better than anything we were able to do before. And, and whether that means increased lighting, effects, or whatever mm-hmm. it could be, we'd want that performance to be, um, you know, beyond amazing. And yeah. you, the reality is you, it's, it's near impossible to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, on the, on the major stage, when you see bands do reunions, you see how much they put into that to be mm-hmm. able to do these big spectaculars. Because... If you don't, you're tarnishing that image that, that you've created and sure. that memory people have. And when people are thinking about stuff in the pack, that past, that nostalgia factor comes into play. That, um, you know, those rose tinted glasses, how we look at the past about things. I guarantee yeah. you, the way people remember us is not how actually things were. Yeah. But they have these memories. And so if we were to have a reunion show, their memories. Um, we would not be able to live up to what the, those memories or expectations would be. Yeah. And that's what we'd learned from my friend who had said, like, this is what ended up happening. They went out there, they did the best they could, but they just fell short of all these different marks. And, you know, musically, it was it was great. Yeah. Performance-wise, it was awful. Oh, okay. And that's what they hear from people because they just didn't have, like, you know, a decade past. Right. Well, and they just, they're not bouncing around on the stage like people yeah. who are, you know, you know, 20s and 30s are compared to when <laughs> yeah. you're in your 40s. <laughs> so true. Because if you don't keep up on it, yeah, you know, you, you, you start to lose it. Mm-hmm. Like, again, we were in a very different physical shape. And I'd have to, just myself, would have to spend months just getting my, my energy level to be back to that. Because now I'm middle-aged dad rather than, <laughs> you know, yeah. than 30-something rocker. Right. So I wouldn't want to do that and disappoint people. Now, if we did something different, say... Jelly and I did like a stripped down acoustic show. That would oh. be a very different place because Can we could create <laughs> something intimate that would be unique, special, and be able to show, you know, some of that that that, awesome. that magic. But it wouldn't require us to, mm-hmm. you know, get up there and headbang and thrash about. Yeah. I'm also not supposed to headbang anymore. <laughs> I, uh, I don't I, mean to laugh because <laughs> I get it. No, no, I, I I shook my eyeball loose. Oh my god! This is this is true. From okay, wait, from performing or from? Yeah, from headbanging. On stage or? Excuse me. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you shook your eyeball loose? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I have a condition called pigment dispersion where um, from all the headbanging, my eyeball bounced around in my eye. And. Oh my gosh. In my eye socket. And it caused my. the the iris to start flaking apart and the iris then those flakes start blocking the ducts in your eye and starts creating um pressure in your eye which is glaucoma so i gave myself what's called pigment dispersion oh my gosh glaucoma which is causing me to go blind oh my gosh so i i head banged until i i started to go blind now i'm working with doctors and, and okay. they've got everything for the most part you know yeah. In a in a maintenance state, but I always find the irony being that when you're, you know, your mom's telling you, oh, 
Yeah. Don't headbang. You're going to hurt yourself. And you're just like, yeah, right. You actually are going to hurt yourself. I actually hurt myself. No, it's... Oh. There's other genetic precursors to get this. Okay. So it's... It's not just like anybody. But still, I'm sorry that that happened to you. Eh, you oh know, my goodness. it was worth it, though. Oh, uh, yeah. Cause it was fun. Well, and, and I have some, some great uh, photos of me headbanging and my okay. hair flying about, oh. so... So the memories are there. At least you oh, have yeah. it. That sounded really good. Well, thanks. The key I, is learning the, just how to get those damn single notes. Because that's the hardest thing. Yeah. Because everybody can just blow on them and just... But that was good. Getting single notes takes a little bit. And I saw a YouTube video because YouTube videos is how we learn everything now, right? Yeah, it is. You University know. of YouTube. And uh, there's a, a video that a guy showed a very distinct way of just being able to quickly start making single notes and oh, cool. it's a it's not proper form but it gives you the idea of how your lips and your tongue start to work the work the instrument to be able to make those notes and cool um, i want to learn <laughs> well if you have a harmonica i could show you really quick like it's okay. stupid stupid easy to get into maybe it. i'll get a harmonica because i think bring it tomorrow be fun. bring okay. it tomorrow i'll show you tomorrow okay don't get a cheap one if well, you got 50 where do bucks I get one by tomorrow oh a guitar center or anything like that oh okay i'll tell you i'll tell you after the podcast okay cool because yeah um yeah it's fun <laughs> it has been super fun and what's been really fun about harmonicas like i I've got four now, um, is that you can get a professional instrument for 50 bucks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If I want a professional guitar, I'm dropping a thousand plus, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and, and it fits in your pocket. <laughs> it's all of it's great, right? Well, the only thing that's not great is when you have a mustache <laughs> and it gets pinched. Ouch. It gets Does that pinched hurt? in it. Yeah. Oh, oh. I mean, do, do you like pulling hair from your body? No. I mean, sometimes, right? It feels well, nice. there eyebrows. are the moments. But <laughs> I look forward to getting my eyebrows waxed. I uh, uh, I don't... I do pluck my eyebrows on occasion. Yeah. Um, and, it, yeah, it doesn't... It's a weird. It, I don't know if I want to call it a fetish or not, but it's like it's it it's weird, oddly enjoyable. Yeah, it is a weird enjoyable. But there's hair that's like, oh, ouch! I could imagine that the lips would be sensitive. They are. Like the the beard, any beard hair, right? Any. Does it's. It, does it hurt when like little kids pull on your beard? You know, like kids always pull on beards. Um. You have kids. You're a dad. I mean, not really. Because they're not pulling on individual hairs. Yeah. So it's, so it's like a, it's different. Yeah. Well, if, 
Somebody pulls on your hair. How does it feel? Not good. Depends on the context. Some, I know. I was like, well, wait. Sometimes it does. I mean, sometimes it feels nice. So <laughs> it it doesn't it doesn't really hurt. Now, okay. if I get a couple of small ones, yes, it does. I remember when my son was a baby and and he'd get just a couple and, and just give him a yank and it's yeah. just like okay those baby hands are the worst those little tiny baby hands oh well and i had a much longer beard then too yeah um so i think sorry i, I i'm sorry we paused but i think that we were talking about um we're kind of talking about like jelly project coming together and then i, I something about memories um, I just want to say that the Jelly Project is has brought me lots of really good memories um, at shows, and one of my good friends, Sam, you know, you've met her, mm-hmm. she was one of your biggest fans. She stumbled across your show, um, I don't really know where, but she just happened to be there, and they're playing ginger love and she's a ginger and she's like oh my god this is my song and she just became obsessed with the jelly project and then she introduced it to me and we've been obsessed since like we go we went to like every show and we just like and went and there was one show i went to at the amsterdam that i have a fond memory where i was it small stage or main stage the amsterdam the the amsterdam bar isn't there just one stage there's two Oh. There's the bar stage, and then there's the big stage. Oh, it was a big stage. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I had I had forgotten my ID, and Jelly came running up and was like, I found it, and hands the guy her ID. <laughs> and he's like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, did the lead singer just get me into her own show with her own ID? Like, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> And that that made it even better. Like we never we, broke any rules. Yeah, <laughs> that was so sweet. But um, yeah. So I've I've always been a big fan of the Jelly Project. Um, and so Ginger Love. So since that was like the first song I knew about, because Sam's like, oh my god, there's a song called Ginger Love. This is the best band ever. Um, so tell me about Ginger Love. There's a story behind that that you told me right before we started recording. Ginger Love is about uh, me uh, creating my son. <laughs> hey, so have you told your son this at all? Ever no, shared that song? Know this yet. Someday he will, right? I mean, he's too young now. Yeah, I. And when it comes to any of that stuff, I, you know, his mom can. Uh, she gets to have the the final say when it'll <laughs> when be appropriate. It, yeah. Um, I. When it comes to him, I take her lead one hundred percent of the For time. Sure. She's an amazing, amazing person, and I I have I have no reason to interject my idiocy into it. <laughs> um, no, the song is about how we were out in Sturgis. We were playing our first year, playing um, a whole bunch of different bars in the small town. And there's a whole other whole other side to that story too um which i'll I, i'll go into afterwards but we played uh we played a show and uh she was one of the people in the crowd um she came back to the rv we had with us um and she had uh, she brought a friend with her and paul being my wingman kept the friend occupied while her and I uh, ran off and uh, did our our business and um, 
there was, I'm not going to go into as many details as we talked about prior. <laughs> I'm going to keep some of this. Yeah, but there, sure. there are, if you want to know more about what happened, listen to the song because uh, Jelly, at parts of the song, acts or it gives her interpretation of events. Sure. Um, but yeah, so we hook up um, in Sturgis. Uh, a month later, we're back at uh, in the cities, and I'm writing this uh, this these riffs, and I'm just kind of working on like kind of rock ACDC type stuff, mm-hmm. and we start working in, into a new song, and Jelly's like, "Oh, I'm gonna, you know, write these lyrics," and she <laughs> writes it about you know Ginger Love, the um, mother of my kid. She is a redhead, and mm-hmm. uh, so writes the song and. and uh, and I tell her, I said, you know, you were going to kind of jinx this, like, yeah, you know, and the joke starts going around the band, like, hey, we're going to go back to Sturgis next year, and there's yeah. going to be this little redheaded child that looks like Eric. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, I get a call, you know, a couple months later, you know, uh, she's pregnant, and uh, yeah, and we have the best relationship you could possibly imagine for what the situation is i have a rock and roll baby rock hey, and roll you like son. met her once right or like and then and and we created you. a child yeah. he's absolutely amazing she is amazing our focus has always been about what's best for him yeah um we don't have any baggage from yeah. having a previous relationship sure so nobody's trying to hurt each other yeah and she's a, a caring kind intelligent wonderful person and, and uh I hit the jackpot. Like it, it couldn't. <laughs> That's so awesome. It could not be a better situation. So, um, high praise to her and uh, my son is amazing. What a great like, like even there's even a beautiful song about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. It's like the story of you know, it's so great. I love that. Well, and and and, and it was my favorite song. <laughs> And Jelly has this like accent that she puts on in like the the breakdown part, because um, it's it's her interpretation. It's like how she thinks, you know, this woman when woman talks and everything. And it's just, it's 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 ridiculous, but a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I love that. And uh, yeah, it it just feels so funny too for me, like loving that song so much and then sitting here like talking to you about what actually the song is like about your life <laughs> like it's just so funny I love real it. life events yeah but i still have ginger love i'm married to ginger now yeah you are you are well, ginger love and you are a ginger yeah well I, I say more daywalker because daywalker. i i mean strawberry blonde hair yeah i i mean i don't know it I'm color a, changes i'm a daywalker like yeah. you're a ginger <laughs> <laughs> i get told that yeah it's it really does change color in the the, the sun. Uh, like the beard is super red, but depending on the light, depends on the color of my hair. Yeah. And I remember the second year we were out at Sturgis. Um, I get out of the. Paul had shown up. We all came out different times because mm-hmm. um, I went out early to spend some time with my kid. And the first time he sees me out there, now we're up in the mountains, and um, you know, just light is different in different. Uh, um, different elevation and, and mm-hmm. uh i get out i walk out of the 
the RV and it's the first time he sees me and he just starts screaming at what the fuck did you do? Why do you look so blonde? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, he's like, it looks like you bleached your hair. Why'd you bleach your hair? Why'd you do it? It uh-uh. looks so good. I'm like, I haven't done anything. Bullshit. You look at you. You know, it looks awful. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, uh-uh. well, geez, thanks. Like, wow. like, I'm like, I haven't done anything. And, and we go inside and then all of a sudden it changes back to normal because it's not in this bright sun yeah. making it look like platinum blonde. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, starry blonde, color changing hair. Yeah. Whoa. It is. Wow, that's so cool, though. So, I mean, it's that's why I consider myself a daywalker. And yeah. for those who don't know what a daywalker is, that is a, you know, <laughs> that is a half ginger. So, uh, a full blood is somebody who has red hair on the top. And a daywalker is somebody who has red hair on their face or elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Uh, but now to go back to the Sturgis story, this is this is really fun. And this... If we're talking TJP, this is this goes back to the type of drive we had. Mm-hmm. So, how we ended up going to Sturgis and playing in Hill City originally was we had played in Wisconsin mm-hmm. and we played with this other band, um, and they really liked what we did and mm-hmm. said, "Hey, we've got X number of shows at this bar um, in, in Hill City during the Sturgis uh, bike rally." would you be interested in being our opening act? And we're like, yeah, that yeah, sounds great. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, get some money together. Um, we get a friend who has an RV, is a driver, drives for us, and we go out there and we play a show. And we're supposed to have X number of shows for X amount of money, right? Sure. And we have spent our money to get there. So <laughs> we need this money to get back. <laughs> um, we play the first show. Absolutely crush it. Yeah. Of course you did. And the band that we went out there with was like, oh, no, we're not, you're not doing any more shows with us. What? They canceled us. And we're like, well, f- you know, fuck you. What's, what's going on? Like, what? you know, we just got here. We just played our show. Yeah. Like, we have other shows, like, we don't have any money to get home or anything. Like, what's going on? Well, right. they got pissed off because we, like, totally showed them up. Oh, you are, like, you should have been headlining. You made them look bad. We made it look really bad. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, like, that's... Of course you did. You guys were the jelly fucking project. That's <laughs> the mentality we had. We weren't going to go into the room and be the second best. We were going to go in there and we were going to be the best because band. you are the best band. <laughs> but we had the mentality we were going to do. We are going to drive harder. We are going to play better. Yeah. We are going to do all these things. We are going to party harder. We are going to show you up. Yeah. You know, we are going to show you who owns it now. We did that. They didn't appreciate it. Mm. They said, you're done. We're like fuck. Okay, what do we do? Now, we we were parked at that. One of them had rented a property, and we were everybody was parked there, and mm-hmm. that was where we were going to camp out during this week. Well, now all of a sudden we can't camp there. They like booted us completely. Because you're so great. Right, right. Well, whatever, whatever their issues were doesn't Version matter. Was yeah. Doesn't matter. So now we're out there. We have our equipment, but we don't have a PA because they had the PA. All right, we got to figure something out. But we also have no money, right? So we've got enough money to, like, you know, get some food and get some gas, but not enough gas to get home. So what do we do? Well, uh, the drummer's wife had come out um, with her car. Mm-hmm. So we split off into groups, took the car in one direction, took the RV in another direction. We went to every fucking bar in the area, mm-hmm. all these different little towns and stuff, Keystone, um, Sturgis. Uh, I'm not going to remember all of them. But we go to all these little towns in the area, mm-hmm. um, and we go to all the bars, and we say, hey, 
this is the deal. You know, we're this band. Um, we got, you know, booted. And we hustled. We hustled our asses off. And we oh my gosh. went from having, I think, four gigs to nine gigs, right? We just, we hustled, oh hustled, hustled. Gosh, yes. And we got all these gigs. And we were able to collectively get enough money. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we couldn't, we weren't going to get paid per gig what we had been making. Yeah. But it didn't matter. We needed to just, pay, we needed to get gigs to get home. Mm-hmm. So we hustled, we get all these gigs. And we, we were like, all right, now we need to go and rent a PA. So we end up going and getting like the shittiest PA. And at the same time, like I, that first night I played my amp so hard, I blew up my speaker. <laughs> so here we are in the middle of South Dakota or on the Black Hills. There's, there's no shop that has like a guitar speaker or anything. And I have yeah. no way to get one. Oh no! So I end up using a really, really crummy speaker. I thought it sounded awful. Nobody ever notices yeah. these things except, you know, the, the, the performance, right? Like <laughs> nobody, nobody cares. Yeah. So we go around. And we start playing these shows, and almost everyone went really well. We and the one of the last shows we played ended up being the bar owner from that bar that we were supposed to do this series of shows actually loved us and said, you know, I like you way more than this other band. I'm really sorry for what they did to you. I do have this contract with them, so I can't boot them. But oh, so what they I can knew do the band, yeah, that booted you. Okay, yeah, they, well, they'd hired them, yeah. and she said, uh, but I'll give you. Uh, another show at the, you know, at, towards the end after they're gone. And I'm also going to, we have a little local festival uh, and we have a big stage during this week. So I'm going to give you a primetime spot on that stage. So oh, we ended up getting cool. to play that stage too. And um, we ended up getting to play all these different great shows. Yeah. Uh, and really, you know, hit it home with a biker crowd. And that's when we really locked in. Okay, man, bikers, TJP, it's a great marriage. And we uh, just crushed it. Now, there was one gig during that week, um, which didn't go very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, it was a, a, a bar, and, and we were, you know, selling ourselves. Um, they asked, what kind of music do you play? And we're like, well, we play, you know, blues, blues rock music. And they're like, okay, well, yeah, we're a country and blues bar. We're like, okay, great. You know, it's going to be more blues focused. And they're like, okay. Um, so that night we go there and we play. And we play our set and they come back and they're like, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you guys are done. You need to leave. What? And we're like, well, what is going on? And we're like, yeah, we're, you know, this is, this is too much rock music. We're like, well, mm-hmm. we told you we were blues rock. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, no, we need, we, we expect more country. Mm-hmm. We, we can sell you on country. Yeah. Now in the band, I was the only person who could play country. Yeah. So, and the rest of the band members had no interest in playing country music. Right. And I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and, and do, you know, a solo set of, you know, a, an hour of Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash music. Yeah. Because, again, that's not what they contracted. But they are like, look, you're done for the night, but we're going to pay you. So we got paid to leave. <laughs> so we still made our money. Is that like PTO? <laughs> that, maybe. <laughs> um, touring acts, PTO. So we still made our money. We got yeah. out of there, and we just uh, went and enjoyed the night. But there's another... Uh, fun story from that where we're playing a different bar and uh we're on a break and we're smoking pot out back and it's illegal in in south dakota at the time i think it's probably still illegal Mm -hmm. um we're smoking pot out the back and a group of burly guys uh, walks up to us and i just taken a massive hit and so i'm holding it in and they start talking oh we love you guys you guys are so great um we're all uh 
police officers from Oklahoma. Stop. Right? <laughs> and you're holding this stuff? And, and of course it fucking stinks like it. Like, we're smoking it right back yeah. there, right? And, like, and I'm just holding this, this hidden. I mean, I must be just turned, like, beet red. Trying to hold this thing in. And they're just like, oh, yeah, you guys sound great and everything. And finally I'm just like, you know, had to let it out. And they just have this kind of smile on their face. They're like, yeah, you guys are fantastic. And, and like, hey, we're on vacation right now. Oh, my gosh. They didn't say anything, like, pointing it out directly. But they did they did make a statement how they were on vacation and yeah. for us to just have fun. And yeah. But it was, it, was an, it was a very awkward situation. That is so funny. Um, so, yeah. And, and they were, like, if you could think of what a very typical, stereotypical uh, group of white um oklahoma police officers would look like (laughs) yeah this was them (laughs) and they were they were they were all really nice people i mean it 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 went over fine oh good (laughs) so um also i'm sure it helped out that we were also all white people i was thinking that too yeah it is an all white people band so (laughs) it would have been very different i think if we'd been if we'd been black but that's a whole other side of stuff, and it's yeah, it's a crazy world. <laughs> yeah, well, that's another that's another cheat JP song, right? It's a crazy, crazy world. Yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, I love it. Oh, there's just a handful crazy. of stories like that over the world. You know, I love that song. That was one of the first songs we wrote too. Just trashy guitar and something you gotta feel that living just don't do. Boom. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's some of the Sturgis stuff. But there's there's stories like that scattered throughout. I mean, we had a we're a family. We had just a good time. We we yeah. you know had each other's backs and we lived together in the same house for a number of years and we we're All able of to you? yeah wow yeah we uh, we had a, a party house over on the west side no east side of St Paul and uh, lived there for you know actually even past when the band broke up, it just made it oh, wow. easier for us to be able to go on tour mm-hmm. and keep our, our expenses consolidated. Cause we're, we rode that line between being a regional act and a national act mm-hmm. where we were being played on the radio here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had radio spots, uh, across the country. Um, and we were doing all the things on the independent level that we could. And we were in talks with, um, the major record labels but we just weren't able to get, you know, a contract yeah. worked out that um, had the that was going to work for everybody. So we just did everything ourselves, and that grind can really wear you down. Mm-hmm. Um, it got me to the point where I hated playing guitar. I hated most of my life. Here mm-hmm. I am living what is supposed to be the dream. Right. Everything I've worked for, everything I'm working for at that time, and I hated yeah. it. Oh. Um, I was playing guitar. I mean, as a band, we, we rehearsed together 30 to 40 hours a week Yeah. if we weren't on the road. Wow. We, and when we were on the road, if we had a down day, wow. we would still go find a place we could rehearse and play. We constantly played because we didn't take for granted what we had. Mm-hmm. We knew that we had this very rare opportunity to be able to make a living. Even if even though it was not a big living, we didn't stay in the red. We stayed in the black with, the, you know... With the finances, and a lot of that came down to how Paul, who managed us, um, was able to juggle things. And uh, we knew that if we wanted to be professional musicians, well, you better play your music. Yeah. You better be playing it so much that you know you um, 
you can go up there night after night and just execute. Yeah. And, you know, so we would play those. We'd rehearse together 30 to 40 hour weeks. And then I'm playing on the side, learning new stuff, working my technique, 20 to 25 hours a week. So wow. that's just playing the instrument, right? Um, the, the drummer's wife at the time was a masseuse and she would like massage our arms and everything because mm-hmm. we'd start locking up because our hands and our arms would be oh, wow. we get so yeah, exhausted yeah um so that helped out to kind of keep it and i'd learned from years back um from some friends uh, when i was learning to play guitar to ice my fingertips yeah. when they started to get too sore mm-hmm. so there's just all these different things plus we also drink copious amounts of alcohol mm-hmm. so we were numbing ourselves on a whole number of levels mm-hmm. and then when we weren't playing instruments we were constantly networking and making contacts mm-hmm. so everything in our life we didn't have personal lives mm-hmm. everything in our life was surrounded around how to promote the music or work the music yeah and it's an unhealthy balance because there's no balance to it mm-hmm. um and that's how i ended up hating playing and the only time that i enjoyed any of it was that hour to four hours spending on the show that i got to play like being in front of people recharge the battery yeah but the energy and right. just being like this is what it's all all of the work is for that communication that unspoken communication you have mm-hmm. with your audience mm-hmm. oh beautiful and it it is a big reason it eventually you know made everything fall apart because we just didn't have that good balance sure and looking back on it i mean i wouldn't I wouldn't change it for the world, but mm-hmm. during it, I hated it. I hated being on the road. Yeah. You know, but also I was, I, I was a heavy, heavy drinker. Sure. During those days. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jelly and I on the days off, um, would start the day at nine in the morning with a handle of, of whiskey. Yeah. And by the afternoon, we're going to get a case. Wow. Like we were a drinking band. We partied. Yeah. Um, we took a great deal of pride in being able to drink anybody under the table mm-hmm. and we had drinking band friends and everything. Mm-hmm. Chris and I, uh, were, were both big uh, fans of Pantera and we'd watch these old Pantera videos and, and Dimebag, um, would say, you know, we're not professional musicians, we're professional drinkers. <laughs> and so we, <laughs> we wanted to be that. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, we got, we drank and we drank and we drank. We used to have these, what we call blackout rehearsals. Yeah. So we'd go into our rehearsal space. We'd, we'd turn off all the lights. Um, cause you, you can't look at your instrument. You have to play everything by muscle memory. Wow. And we'd all bring in a bottle of our favorite stuff. Everybody has their own bottle and we'd start drinking it. And it was a blackout rehearsal cause we'd play in pitch black mm-hmm. and we would drink until we were blackout drunk <laughs> because we were two, th- two things we're trying to, trying to teach ourselves here is to be able to play mm-hmm. while we're, trashed yeah and not be dependent on looking at your instruments so that way when we went on the stage why we were able to jump around and do everything and be crazy is Uh because we never we didn't learn to play by staring at our instrument when we were just we learned to play being trashed wow with our eyes closed basically yeah so that's that was way that we and we did that maybe once a week at least wow so a few things on that i think that is uh extremely unhealthy Um, (laughs) but it's also i feel like it's very smart at the same time because i mean i mean you guys were even as alcoholics you guys were fucking pushing it you were like doing the thing to make sure you were the best (laughs) if we'd 
really wanted to be the best, we would have stopped drinking. Yeah, well, that's true. Do you, like looking back, do you feel like um, redoing it? You would, you guys would just like try to do the healthy way and take out all the drugs and alcohol. I don't know if there's drugs, if, but um, of course there were. Yeah, of course there were. Just I mean, throwing, yeah, I'm assuming. You, if you're on stage and you're shit faced drunk and you can barely stand, you know what instantly sobers you up? Bunch of blow. Oh yeah. You're just you're right yeah. back there. <laughs> and don't don't mistake blow for you know a bunch of Molly because that's a yeah. whole different world. Even though at times that did happen, and yeah, now all of a sudden instead of you know being alert, now I'm alert with my face melting off while I'm yep. rolling. You know, oh my um, God. yeah. I mean, it, there was there was absolutely the drugs to go along it, and I mean we 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 used to bring because we drank so much. We used to bring in um, a shit ton of beer mm-hmm. as we're loading in with our gear. <laughs> we would have coolers of stuff that looked like it was gear bags <laughs> loaded with beer and so when and we, when we were on the road because we're like we're fucking broke yeah if they didn't give us an open bar yeah we would find out whatever like the main beer and normally it was pbr so we drink a lot of pbr um but like if you're down in texas and stuff it's lone star you know mm-hmm. um whatever the you know cheap beer that they're going to have that everybody's going to be drinking we'd find out what that is and we'd we'd go to the liquor store beforehand we'd stock up with that and then we'd go there and then we'd ask for that you know because you at least get a couple of drinks yeah and it would just look like we're drinking the same thing all night long oh my god just keep you know swapping those out that's so smart (laughs) but it's still dumb because (laughs) you're still drinking so much it's smart and it's dumb that's what i say but but as as far as you know you guys were very um meticulous about like things that you did it seemed like like you had like we you had your business. ways of doing things. Yeah, your business. We're, we were very serious about it. Yeah. And, I mean, it, but looking back on it, had we not drank the way we did, uh-huh. if we knew what we know now compared to then, we could have, oh we my. absolutely would have been able to go farther. Because we blew a lot of opportunities. We had A&R reps out in the, out in the audience in a number of shows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they didn't want to sign a band that was this trashed at times. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what they would see. Mm-hmm. So professionalism right and also just yeah i feel like a clearer mind i feel like you could just be so much better at everything that you do i can play so much better now that i don't drink yeah like it's it's way more effortless and the tired and the fog and oh my gosh feeling like shit and well and and like jelly and i were definitely the the heaviest of the drinkers too but we were the front people yeah we took this pride in in this way to doing it and you know we had some great times and yeah. I mean, there are some, there's some videos out there that are, I don't know. I mean, I've just kind of embraced them. I mean, there's some very <laughs> drunken videos of me out there. There's a video of me out there where I'm so trashed on stage and we're, we're jumping around and I'm overexerted and we're about to play the finale yeah. of uh, our encore and it was a whole lot of Rosie and I'm jumping around, I'm doing my ACDC thing and then yeah. all of a sudden I'm like, oh fuck, I'm going to puke. And I run to the back of the stage and I'm about to start the solo, and I start yakking. And I'm just puking, right? But now in the middle of puking, I'm supposed to start playing the solo. So I start playing the solo. <laughs> and here I am puking and playing the solo. Now, I'm a half step off because 
like I'm puking and I start I start it, but I've got the muscle memory. So once I started, I'm on, but I half step off the whole time. And if, <laughs> if you didn't know it, you wouldn't have noticed because I'm not flubbing the notes. So I'm yakking and I'm playing the notes and I'm trying to shred and everything. And then I get done puking and I try to move back up to the front of the stage and a friend's up there. She's dancing and she starts grinding me. I'm like, this is really weird. I'm like fucking covered in puke and you're grinding me. And there's a video of this on, oh, on, oh on, on mine. Did, did anyone, so could they see you hacking? Like, like you can in the video. That's so rock and roll. <laughs> but I mean, and it's not like it's it's not like you, there's a face close. You just see me go to yeah. the back of the stage, and all of a sudden, stuff coming, um, oh, you know, really out of my funny. mouth. And that was that's another one of those like <laughs> shit happens, and you know, rock and roll. That is a rock and roll story. But uh, now, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't have to you know worry about that. Yeah. But this is I can't I I can't reproduce yeah these kind of shows right because. I mean, I don't drink. I can give you a much more technically, you know, proficient show. Yeah. But I'm not going to give you the drunken warbles and, right. and everything else. And <laughs> oh my gosh, funny. But do you know? Are you and Jelly pretty close still, or do you talk at all? No. No. I mean, we we communicate very little. Uh, you know, an occasional, and I mean, very occasional. I don't know, a couple times a year, maybe. Uh huh. Um, and I I haven't seen Chris or Paul in in three years or so. Okay, wow. So, so you guys really are, like, hardcore broken up. Uh, there's just a number of other other things. And I, I, I'll take accountability that it's been my, you know, from uh, my perspective, is my alcoholism that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. drove a, a giant wedge between myself and other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if... And you're sober now, right? Yeah. Congratulations. How long is that? Has it been, like, since you broke up with a band, or...? Um, no, not quite. I mean, there were a couple of years. So the band's been broke up for seven years, and I've been clean for a little seven? over. Seven? Stop yeah. it. Yeah. I am not that old, am we, I? We only oh, yeah. were around for five, too. So we've been broken up longer than we were together. Stop. Yeah. Um, but we... Can you imagine that impact, though, that you've had on, like, just people loving your it band? Fun. It was a good like, time. Like, me as a fan, like... I still listen to the Jelly Project to think that like that was only five years of like amazingness. Like, that's that says something. It was it was a good time, yeah. and you know if we had been able to work out the differences at the time and keep things moving forward, it's hard to say where we would be. Yeah. Um, but you know priorities change, people change, people yeah. grow, and I was. It, it, an awful alcoholic to the people I cared about. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun if you didn't really know me that well. Yeah. Um, right. Like, you're the fun guy, but then, like, in personal relationships, it may not be as fun. Huge asshole. Yeah. Horrible, horrible human yeah. being to people. But that's just kind of what alcoholism does, doesn't it? I'm a bartender. <laughs> <laughs> I I, you see I know it. this. You see it all the time. I know this. I don't drink much for a reason. <laughs> I'm, I'm very grateful for my recovery, and it is it has provided me all the things that I... <clears throat> I wanted out of life um, and didn't realize how much my addictions were getting in the way of that. Mm-hmm. Now I have uh, my own company, my own production company. My uh, uh, I just got married a to beautiful a beautiful wife. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. Amazing human being. Um, I have three awesome stepkids. Mm-hmm. So I get this family that I always wanted. Yeah. Um, and I have this. You know, we have this nice little cute house in, in, in South Minneapolis. And all these things that I wanted to achieve, I have now. And I know that my recovery is at the center of this. Yes. So when you, when you say, like, 
would if it, if I went back, mm-hmm. would I remove the drinking? Well, only I would only be able to do it if I knew now what I do, what mm-hmm. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Which I would have loved to have been able to know that then. Mm-hmm. But there's no way that I would have known any of that. Right. To go through that brings me to where I am today. That's so awesome. I can't discount where I've been. I think I think I think I mean. Um, personal experiences whether good or bad are like both good and bad and like you know i think that that they are oh my gosh i can't think um i i enjoy my mistakes because it's who i am today that's what i'm trying to say you should never regret i feel like the things you know what i mean like yeah i feel like it's all part of the journey (laughs) yeah i mean it to try to live regret-free means you need to live as transparent as possible right so try to do things that just or a better way to put it and we learn this in recovery is you know uh, expectations are future um, resentments and resentments are these things that we regret mm-hmm. so if you don't want to resent things you don't want to regret things um, don't have all these you know expectations about stuff mm-hmm. just you know allow you know you can plan things but just allow them still to happen yeah don't sometimes put life them. is just gonna take you it is <laughs> it's so true sometimes it just does but there's a good, I think life is a good balance of like challenging yourself, doing what you love, being the best you possible, but also enjoying the ride that is just going to take you, you yeah. know, because sometimes you just, you don't know, you don't know. And that's okay. How much do you want to know? You know what I mean? I like, don't think I want to know that much. It's kind of overwhelming, right? <coughs> like, can I just be here? Strap me in. Let's go. Let's go for this ride. Like, I don't. <laughs> I don't want everything to be known. Right? Yeah. I, I still want to be surprised at times. Yeah. I don't... There's not a whole lot that... Uh, I don't know where it is. Um, there's not a lot that shocks me in any way. Sure. So having things that, that excite me is, is rather fun. It's fun to be excited, right? Yeah. yeah. I know, especially getting old... We don't get excited that much anymore. No. It's not exciting. Nothing is ex- that's why that's why I like to ask people always, what are you most excited for? And people a lot of times people are like, Ugh, I don't get excited. I'm like, No, you you have to be excited about something. <laughs> like even if it's like going to bed. That's exciting sometimes. But I'm excited for the future I have with my my new wife. I'm excited too for you. That is so great. Like you okay so you guys got married last weekend yeah. which is crazy um on 4 2 42 4 2 wait 4 2 2 2 2022 so add that up 42 i love that whoa is that a significant number hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy oh yeah whoa you're such a nerd oh my gosh oh my gosh i'm sitting next to a nerd over here <laughs> i love it though that's so cool that is so cool and she's 42 Whoa. So I got a triple 42. That's really cool. Yeah. I love that. And our our, uh, our friend, her friend really, who made the wedding cake, um, made it look like a towel and then put, actually made a little hitchhiker's guide <gasps> and she put it on, on the... That is so cool. And then if you know the book really well, then she also made a bowl of petunias out of like candy and stuff that we're going to then eat on our one year but it's a bowl of petunias. So if you remember, like, the um, the missiles that were uh, going to blow up the, the ship mm-hmm. turned into one missile, turned into a whale, and the other one turned into a bowl of petunias. 
So oh she made a, a bowl of petunias for us. Gosh, that's so cool. I love that. What, how, like a fun spin on like your own tradition. And then she brought, <laughs> and it, it, this is also a joke. So, uh, wife and I are both in recovery. She brought, um, non-alcoholic pangalactic gargle blasters which is such a joke because they're supposed to be the most alcoholic beverage in the in the known universes yeah and she, she brought na versions of pangalactic gargle blasters for us to drink oh i love that that is so cool you can get that no she don't know like, this she is, made it on her own though like she made it she is uh she's this incredible chef foodie connoisseur cool. who just knows how to bang out this amazing stuff and and like the cake she made us was gluten and dairy free because oh the youngest can't have gluten and dairy mm-hmm. so she she made this cake gluten and dairy free and it's <clears> if <throat> if you didn't know you wouldn't think it was gluten okay. dairy free like she actually knows how to make the stuff taste amazing your wife our friend right but it's it's been her friend for yeah you know, a long time so and she does all this stuff and she so she made the non-alcoholic beverages yeah. as well that's yeah. so cool i would like to see what they look like does she have like cool we, there's pictures stuff? there's pictures on the fb all right i'm gonna go look at that fb yeah I, and i'm pretty sure i'm tagged in most of them so okay um you had it it was pretty small well so we did uh we were gonna go to vegas originally um so I, I wanted to get married by Elvis, um, keep it small, get married by Elvis. I didn't want to big, do a big thing. So these days I do uh, full production um, and then sometimes just audio engineer for weddings. Some people might not like it. I absolutely love it. I mm-hmm. get to be a part of people's, you know, best, potentially worst, but, you know, this big party day mm-hmm. and provide the sound and be, you know, uh, at the heart of it. And I just, I love it. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the wife, she does wedding photography. So both of us are like, man, we know how much weddings cost. Mm-hmm. Like, we know how much we cost. Mm-hmm. We don't want to, you know, spend all this money. Because if we were going to spend, you know, 30, 40, 50 grand or yeah. more on a wedding, instead of doing that, we just, you know, go pay off the mortgage, right? Like, we're right. at that point. We're, right. We don't need this big thing. And that's us. For the people who want to do it, fantastic, great. Hire me. I'll give you great sound. But, <laughs> It, it just wasn't for us. So we were going to do Vegas. But then back in January with Omicron and everything happening, we just weren't sure. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to get married with a face mask. Mm-mm. So we made the decision. We'd had everything planned out. We'd already had our reservations. We were at the point where, oh, we can still cancel. We can get our, our money back, our deposits. So we did. We canceled. Yeah. And we still wanted to keep it really low key. Mm-hmm. So we rented a portrait studio downtown Minneapolis. Um and had our two witnesses so our two friends come uh my friend dave came and he played uh some guitar for at the beginning and the end uh of the ceremony uh our officiant is another friend of ours mutual friend um who i actually went to high school with Mm -hmm. and then we had a photographer Mm -hmm. so it was just us um we live streamed it it was like eight minutes or so uh and it was it was simple quick and it was perfect for what we wanted. Oh, I love that. We're doing our party reception next month. So okay. we didn't have to rush into like, okay, now the ceremony's done. Now we gotta transition to the party. Yeah. We're doing it next month. Um, and we're we're doing it outside. We got a picnic pavilion. So again, <laughs> you know, depending on people's comfort uh, comfortability level with the COVID stuff, mm-hmm. they can, you know, social distance as much as they want. Yeah. Um, plus there's a park like literally right next to the pavilion, so the kids can all party and play. And we're going to have, 
an open mic slash karaoke thing going on for for entertainment because fun i'm a musician surprise surprise (laughs) i have musician friends weird right i know the (laughs) oddest thing to happen and just kind of keeping this open vibe from like five o'clock to nine o'clock we're just gonna have people kind of wander in and out we're gonna do like a nacho bar (sighs) fun really low-key just to make it again fun for people fun no pressure and then we're gonna go on our honeymoon uh maybe next winter or something when we're out of the actual wedding season to where thailand we don't know yet oh you know that's actually where i want to go i was just looking at thailand packages last night yeah i don't know why i just felt like that would be a great place and you give me thailand vibes oh (laughs) it's because i love i love thai food yeah i do too we're gonna we're gonna explore some thai food so yeah let's uh speaking of which what's what's uh your favorite thai food it is called cow soy. Cow soy. Cow soy. And then tell me about how it's hard to get authentic. So cow soy um, is from the Isan region of Thailand. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if I screw this up, I'm going to feel like a complete idiot, but I believe that's the northern region. And uh, it is an egg noodle curry dish. Mm. Uh, and here in the twin cities we can get our authentic cow soy and it's because when uh, people immigrated to america from the isan region they moved to uh west st paul and then also to another part of the country and that's oakland california so we were the two places that um that people from that region moved to so they're the only two spots and i mean this is what i've learned from the people that i uh, my favorite restaurant that i go to which is unfortunately closing but uh, this is, you know, the story that they told me about how you get authentic cow yeah. soy. And there's a few other places in town that I that I think have tried to, you know, like I've, I've had other places that they call it cow soy. It's mm-hmm. not cow soy. Um, but we get this authentic dish. And it's it it's hard to describe if you haven't had it. But it's it's an egg noodle curry, kind of a soupy thing. Mm-hmm. Full of flavor. It is like it, it, home cooking feels good yeah, if you're having a bad day eat this Mm -hmm. and it just makes you feel makes me feel better amazing um and because these families moved here and they you know moved to oakland these are the places that you can get the authentic Mm -hmm. uh cow soy these dishes now you can probably find it other places throughout the country Mm -hmm. but again these are the the two spots that you can get the the real deal yeah so i'm gonna have to find another place in the cities where um they they do it properly so like and, and there's other, like the place I get cow soy from, is not the only Thai spot I go to. Is like Minneapolis, St. Paul. Like we are, there's so many good uh, restaurants to go to. We're so blessed. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we have so much good food. Well, the funny thing is where I get cow soy from. Right across the street is another Thai restaurant. We're actually going to get pa- uh, pad Thai and other curries from. What is it called? Cow cow home, cow home Thai. Okay. I love Thai, and so that's actually one of my favorite foods, so that is Thai food. So that's why I'm like, uh, why have I not really explored that? Well, on that same block, you have Taco Riendo, and you have mm-hmm. uh, Holy Land. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, it's, it's northeast Minneapolis, and the, mm-hmm. and the place I like to go, it's called Senye Sunlek, Big Noodle, Small Noodle. It might be, I might have flipped that around, I, I can't speak Thai, but... But you can eat it. Oh, I will. <laughs> it's so good. I and love their sticky rice and their red curries. Mm. Oh, and what about uh, mango sticky rice? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm, their spices just have this like flavor that's just 
addicting. <laughs> it's like, oh. I have, I've not nailed how to make um, any good Thai dishes. Like, I can make uh, really, really good Mexican cuisine, and I make mm. a bunch of that. Like, I, I crush it on making carnitas. Ooh, I'm okay. going to make some... Uh, uh, probably, I'm actually probably not going to do barbacoa this time. I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to make Dr. Pepper pulled beef Ooh. tonight or tomorrow. Oh, no, I guess I'm not going to do it tomorrow because I'm having cow soy. So yeah, I'll make it we're going to do that tomorrow. Um, yeah, I'm so excited. This but sounds great. It's, it is so, so good. And if people ever get a chance, I mean, look it up online how to make it if you get a chance to. Yeah. It's, it's just good home cooking. Mm. Right. You're going you're gonna to love this. I'm so excited. Very, very excited. Um, and there's a couple different ways to spell it, but the way that they spell it at Senye is uh, K-A-O-S-O-I, cow soy. K-A-O, okay. And then they're shutting down. Yeah, they're shutting down in a few permanently weeks. Permanently or? Yeah, it, it's, you know, the, the uh, repercussions of the pandemic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can't make it. I mean, they, they tried to get through it and... Mm. I don't know all of the reasons, but mm-hmm. I think they've been around, I want to say 14 years or something. Okay. And, you know, you can't blame anybody. It, it, trying to get through the pandemic has been awful. Yeah, like, I'm an has. audio engineer. I, I do parties. <laughs> there weren't any parties. Yeah, everything I did was shut down, too. Oh, hi, excuse you. She's, like, kicking me. Am I in your, am I in your way? Um, yeah, no, it sucks. Yeah, so it, it's been hard on a lot of businesses, huh. and it's sad. Especially like really good restaurants. And, ugh, that one's gonna be a sad one. But um, yeah. Well, I'm excited. Hopefully, we can get in there tomorrow and uh-huh. have it because I'm really stoked. It's gonna be. It'll be fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. I have no doubt. So what are you? What are you doing um, musically now with your? Since uh, you're not in a band, or I don't know. I am in a band. Je- yeah, I was gonna say you're not with Jelly Project Band, is what I meant. But well, that's been like seven years. <laughs> Well, post-TJP, I, I joined a, a country band called Thicky White, um, and we technically haven't broken up, but we don't really gig uh, very okay. often. But we ended up doing uh, about a, a every other month um, kind of regular show at uh, Palmer's Bar okay. for a number of years, and we ended up being called the Palmer's All-Stars. Not our name. They gave it to <laughs> us. And it's a country blues review type thing, right? A lot of outlaw country and some classic blues stuff. Oh, and cool. I would love to check it out. I didn't know you were such a country blues guy. I I mean, I play, I like to play anything. Sure. So, uh, I, I, I love classic country more than a lot of modern country. Mm-hmm. I, I listen to a lot of modern pop music. You do? I don't, absolutely. <laughs> What's your favorite? Um... That's. I'd have to look at my phone. I never. I can never remember the name of sure. artists, um, or uh, songs and stuff. But it's. I listen to like modern pop on Spotify playlists. Oh yeah. And it gives me lots of things that I find very fun. Fun. I know. So, it makes you happy. I love happy music. I mean, like, it, good place to start is like you know I like a lot of Billie Eilish stuff and oh, and uh, Royal and the Serpent. Um, uh, Halsey, I think there's this this young girl, Ashen Ashen Nako. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not going to be able to. T- it's a handful. I, I, I'm I'm partial to a lot of female artists. Like mm-hmm. I like female vocalists. Mm-hmm. Um, surprise! I was in a band with a, a <laughs> you know female vocalist, mm-hmm. and 
uh, I just I enjoy the production yeah. of a lot of the stuff. It's fun, and yeah. I also really enjoy how dark a lot of the modern female pop music is mm, like Billie Eilish like Billie Eilish yeah I um, love it I love the dark it's so cool yeah, it's it I just love seeing it I mean and I, I there's an element of it which is so refreshing like artists coming out right now are so diversified in their styles mm -hmm. and I love that I do too it, it the, the boxes that for for way too long musicians got put into mm-hmm um, those boxes, those walls are disintegrating. I feel like people are are more able to be themselves and do be their creative self and kind of be their own manager, like kind of like have more, I don't know if that's true, but like more self-producing stuff instead of like being told what to do. And there's, I think, an element of since we don't write albums anymore, mm -hmm. we write singles. Mm -hmm. that we don't necessarily are, are, aren't necessarily looking for cohesion between song to song. Sure. Um, so being able to uh, have things swing so different in styles or fusion styles becomes mm -hmm. much more accessible. Yeah. And I love how the same artist, uh, I love this fusion of dubstep with uh, hip hop. Mm. Um, and then there's some artists who are also like, then introducing like banjo music into it and just this wild, wild and wide variety and I, I absolutely adore it so yeah when you, you ask what kind of music i'm working on i've always done uh kind of a psychedelic rock psychedelic blues it's hard to describe because i i've never been good at describing what kind of music i make yeah um but uh it's usually looper based um so lay down you know some kind of riff or some type mm -hmm. of melody <clears throat> and then kind of riff and build off of that mm -hmm. and i've been enjoying uh adding some uh electronic drums and dubstep right now i'm trying mm -hmm. to put together uh, a live set um that i can go up and actually uh create a whole looper environment mm -hmm. i do have some other ideas but it's i guess guitar oriented uh psychedelic heavier loop based music which looper stuff is kind of you know continuing to to grow and, and build people people enjoy it i mm -hmm. uh i don't play out very often because um i work mainly on the weekends that's mm -hmm. my my big money days being in, in audio um i've also had my time being on stages um playing for some large crowds some of it I love, some of it I really didn't. Yeah. Um, the older I get, the worse my anxiety becomes. I'm not yeah. not entirely sure why that is. Yeah. Um, I have a very good relationship with my uh, psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. uh, they keep me well situated with things to help me engage the world still mm -hmm. without alcohol. Yeah. Um, but I think also due to recovery or in part because of recovery, I learned much more to keep myself out of situations that are triggering. Sure. So I'm not going to put myself into a place where I feel more anxiety. And sometimes that happens to be like trying to put a show together and the anxiety mm -hmm. of trying to get everything to work and then trying to do that on a Friday night. Mm -hmm. So if I do play out, it's usually Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I do see, you know, I go hang out with some friends with their open mics at times cause they have open mics and I, you know, play a couple songs, but, uh, I'm hoping to be able to get some more live stream stuff going because one of the great things about COVID was that if you're in the audio world, uh, you kind of had to learn the other side of it with the video and the lighting stuff. Mm -hmm. So I got pretty good at being able to create live streams. Yeah. Um, 
so I want to, I have my, I have a couple of spaces at my house actually set up to be able to start doing it. Oh, cool. Hopefully we'll have some bands come through and, and also play a little bit more stripped down intimate type yeah. environments. But, um, I'm trying to also come up with a fun name for it. Uh, we're by Powderhorn Park. So I like, you know, I, Powderhorn, you know, singer, songwriter series, you know, yada, yada. Fun. But that's where musically I'm, I'm trying to focus, but I, I don't find as much time to put into it as I want to, mm. um, between family, you know, job. And then my, I, I learned that I have to have a hobby. That's not music. Sure. Um, when you do music and you're in that environment for a living, it's really easy to have everything you do revolve around it. Yeah. Because if you have a party, mm-hmm. right, and a guitar comes out, and that's your instrument, probably going to end up in your hands, whether it's because of your anxiety or people want to hear you. It just becomes, it's a comfortable place. Yeah. Um, but that not, might not always be what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn how to, you have to find something out, uh, something else outside of what your daily is. Mm-hmm. And for me, I found that that's gardening. Ah, so what a relaxing, fun hobby. Love ah. it. And I, and I, so I live by Powderhorn. Um, for a while I did, uh, I was a fertilizer pesticide technician. Uh-huh. So I had my state license and everything. And I sprayed these chemicals, yada, yada. Um, but I saw the soil reports for the different parts of um, the metro because mm-hmm. I had to know what kind of chemicals I needed to worry about when I was working and how much I could put certain places. And Powderhorn soil is trash. Absolute garbage, right? Is it? Oh, it's horrible. Oh. I mean, it's it's in the middle of the city, right? Like, yeah. The, the gardens that a lot of people do, they're putting fresh topsoil and other things into mm-hmm. it to, to make it fine. Yeah. But I don't have a yard. I have a very small property. Okay. Okay. I love it because that also means I have a small mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> but I have this small property and I don't have any grass. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything I do is container gardening. I oh, think sure. I might do a bed this year on the boulevard, a raised bed. Oh, because yeah. I want to I wanna grow a giant pumpkin for the for the kids to see. Aww. Like a hundred pound or more pumpkin. Whoa, fun. Um, but like last year, I, I did everything container wise and I grew. Uh, I grew a whole bunch of different types of peppers and I still have, you know, I dried them. So I have a whole bunch. Like we're talking ghost peppers, yeah. Carolina Reaper, um, another a Yum. number of other. Oh, if you, if you want some, I'll bring you some tomorrow. I, I would love it. Okay. I love spicy okay. and I love everything. <laughs> Anything that grows from the ground, I love. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, cherry tomatoes and other stuff. Uh, mm. What We had broccoli. We had uh, butternut squash. Um, lots of zucchini. And then mm. I grew, I thought I grew a container variety of watermelon, right? A small watermelon. Because again, yeah. these are all, and I mainly was using five gallon like paint buckets, right? Oh, yeah. That I just, you know, drilled holes in. And That's then I, so great. I love the repurposing. Yeah, cheap. Yeah. Right. And. Uh, I, uh, I I grew, I grew watermelon out of it. And like, I thought I had a container variety cause that would work better, but I, I, it was mislabeled. Yeah. Ended up being a, a, a large variety of watermelon and I ended up growing a 23 pound watermelon out of this container, Whoa. a five gallon container. But I also grew two other 10-pound watermelons on that same plant. Whoa. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, and I have, I have pictures of this stuff, too. Whoa. But I grew this massive watermelon. Um, and what else? I grew cantaloupe and uh, 
And then I had a whole bunch of flowers and stuff too because I had my little side patio, which is all oh flowers gosh. and pretty. And oh, for someone who doesn't have a yard, you have a lot of you have a lot of gardening stuff. Well, and and, uh, and because I mean, I I so I do AV, but I also do like I know I do electrical work too. Yeah. So uh, when I moved in, uh, wife didn't have any uh, power outlets on the outside of the house, but she had you know space in her panel, her mm-hmm. her circuit panel. So I put individual circuits out on all the different sides of the house. I even dug cable under the ground so there wouldn't be cables running across the patio. Nice. Buried the cable, did everything up to code. And now I have all this different lighting out there. I even have cool. the Philips Hue lighting that lights up multiple colors across the whole house. So, oh. And I can change that throughout the year. I have uh, like multicolored LEDs up in the trees. Yeah. So it shoots up into the trees and casts colors on those. And- oh, I love that. That's so pretty. And those look beautiful. I've yeah. seen that. Yeah. Just the it's- other night someone had that. And I was like, wow. So this that's my hobby. That's right? so like, cool. I get to, what a great hobby. I get to garden and I create this, uh, cultivate this outdoor Well, yeah, I feel like if you do zen. just like, because you are clearly very talented and you enjoy music, but if you, it's, it's if it can become something you hate really easily yeah. <laughs> if it's if just it's all, all that you have. Yeah. I feel that. So I feel that. We have to find something to be able to balance it out. Mm-hmm. And the gardening, I, my dad did gardening, still does. I always did it when I was growing up. And, yeah. Um, I wasn't interested in it when I was younger, but I just found this absolute passion for it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because of the the training and everything I did for being an applicator, pesticide Mm -hmm. applicator, I know all the tricks on how to to grow things, you know, Mm -hmm. without, I know which chemicals not to use and which Mm -hmm. chemicals to use, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I I don't use pesticides to grow any of the stuff I have because oh, good. I don't, I, I know how not to, I, yeah. and I know what type of fertilizers I can use yeah. that aren't going to cause problems um, with, with people, but I don't yeah. have to use necessarily all organic stuff. Mm-hmm. So I know all these different tricks and I know how to like uh, create these fake environments within the containers cool. that give the, the correct type of nutrients oh, at wow. the, the right times and what type of water amounts and all that. Wow. So there's like that nerdy side that I get to That's apply to that. so cool. And so if I'm not playing video games during my downtime, it's doing that. Planting stuff and growing food. Yeah. I love that. That's so great. I wish I could learn that. Someday I will. It's well, on my list of things to do. This year, instead of... So we, I found out that my uh, my older dog did not like all the plants I'd, I'd grown on the side of my house. Too many mm. planters, and it took away, like, again, I don't really have much of a yard. Yeah. And that area is all, uh, has um, mulch down on it, is, you know, it's his bathroom, right? Yes. And by having all these plants on there, he didn't like that. It took away his bathroom space. Mm-hmm. So he started, like, going in the house more, and it was like, oh, fuck, you know, you can't oh, have that. Oh, no, I know. And we realized, because as soon as uh, fall hit and I cleaned everything up, he stopped going inside, and he's back outside. I'm like, okay, oh, okay. I need to change this up so I don't do it. Now, yeah. at the front of my property, um, I had grown mini pumpkins, gourds, and these uh, and butternut squash, as well as patty pan squash, which if you ever had patty pan squash, are stupid amazing. I'm going to grow What? Them again. I've never had that. They're, they're these tiny little squash. Uh, they look like little suns. Um, oh. And you eat the, you know, just like zucchini, you eat the flesh. Yeah. Really, really tasty. Oh. Very soft, mild flavor. Yeah. And... Uh, because all these different types of plants have, you know, big leaves, big mm-hmm. vines, vining plants. I, I weaved or wove the, the vines through my fence. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do the same thing this year with just a variety of different uh, different plants. But I, I, I weave all those. So then you see the, 
the, the, the fruits, you know, the little bit pumpkins and gourds and everything growing cool. and hanging off of the off of the fence. That's so cool. So come fall time, right, when all the leaves die off, now I have all these vines that have the, the fruit hanging off ah. of them, which, it, you know, played into my Halloween decorations. Yes. Um, but then you had this luscious, instead of, you know, this metal fence, you have this yeah. luscious garden looking with the big yeah. flowers, because all these also have big flowers. So I'm going to do that instead. And I'm going to, like, I'm not going to do broccoli this year. And, yeah. Um, I'm not going to do... I. I want to do green beans, but I just don't think we eat them fast enough. Sure. Um, though, if I if I get into pickling, I'd be much more because I love pickled oh, green pickled beans. Pickled green beans, yum. You know what else is amazing? It's pickled watermelon rind. Oh, I've heard of that. I've never so had good. it. So good. Yum. I bet it's good for you too. I have no idea. I don't. I don't, I, I don't care it. if it's good for me. I'll eat it anyways. <laughs> it's pickled. It's delicious. Yeah. Um, but that's that's going to be the basic plan. Um, cool. which just waiting for the weather yeah. to get good. Yeah. I had wanted to start my seeds inside this winter, mm-hmm. um, but I just did not clear out the space I needed mm-hmm. to be able to get it going. Um, what's really cool about cool, <laughs> cool about the, the Phillips, uh, whiz lighting not the hue Phillips whiz. And I think of some other of these multi, um, colored LEDs is that they have a plant setting. Oh, cool. So, um, when you grow things inside, you can, you use this plant setting. It's like a pink hue. Um, and you know, you just, and then the, the light bulbs themselves, you like set up through an app, what the color is and a timing schedule. Cool. So it can create Whoa. your whole schedule. I love um, that. and years ago, uh, how long ago now? 15, 15 some years ago, I, I may or may not have grown pot hyper, hydroponically. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so I learned a few things about sure, how to yeah, grow how to things grow inside. <laughs> um, so just, again, taking that knowledge. And while I didn't get to get my plants going this year, I'll probably still just go to the, go to the garden or the, the gardening store. Yeah. And, and get all my, get all the things going. Fine. Um, I still am going to be focused on that this year. Yeah. And so anybody out there trying to figure out, uh, some things to do with their life, you know, just make sure one of those things is something that has nothing to do with the other. Yeah. I think, and maybe the balance too, maybe I should, I feel like, I feel like you're really having any pressure on me. I need to find something that I really love. That's not photography or podcasting. Cause sometimes I get really burnt. Absolutely. Out. So I'm like, okay, well I gotta find another thing to do. That's cheap. I used to like to shoot guns, but I realized it's very expensive to go to the gun range. Oh my God, so wait, expensive. I'm like, this is not a good hobby. This is an expensive even, hobby. <laughs> even if you make your own bullets, it's still expensive. It's so expensive, and so and it's I'm not gonna... fun to just pop off 22s all day. No, I gotta. There's there's a lot more time in the day. <laughs> so yeah, I, I used gotta to have figure, a 38 like special. To... I'd pop off yeah. a lot. That was a lot of fun. Go oh, to the fun. Osseo gun range and. I like that one. I've never been to Austria. I've heard oh, of it, it's though. It's really good. I go to the one in Blaine, and I go to oh, the I'm one by one. my house in Robbinsdale, the Bills. Yeah, Bills. Yeah, it's fun. It's hood. It is hood. And Bills is hood, right? Yeah. I didn't realize. I went there. I was like, oh, okay. But I live really close to it, so it's fun. It's fun to do, but it's expensive, so, you know. Yeah, um, it's, yeah it's not... It, yeah. it costs a lot of money. And... You know, gardening can be a little bit pricey, too. I bet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I get a pretty fun end result. Oh, yeah. So. But if you look at it, I mean, it still might be uh, the work and the how much it costs and stuff. But, like, 
still better than just going to the grocery store, just eating that right out of your garden. Well, and it's not, but it's not always about things that you're going to eat too, because there's flowers and stuff you're going to create, you're make your environment, you know, much more. Whoa, eyes to eat. Right, right. (laughs) Eye candy and... I mean, the air, the oxygen, the smells, the, it, everything. Mm. Yeah. I love gardening. It's, I mean, I love, I've never done it, but I love gardens. But I've moved so much that I've never actually gotten a chance to, like, live somewhere long enough to have a garden. Or I wouldn't even know where to start because I've never really gardened. Oh, I'd show you pictures, but my phone's about to die. Well, You'll just have to go to my page. I actually, I if you go to my, my Facebook, there's an album in my photos oh, like that says gardening. gardening yeah. Oh, cool. I'll check it out. That's so cool. Well, yeah. Um, so find your hobby. Yeah, find your hobby. And it's okay to have more than one. But yeah. find something that, um, like the nice thing about gardening is that, for me, is it almost has to be a daily thing. Yeah. You have to kind of do a little bit every day. Mm-hmm. And I just find a zen moment, whether it's just, you know, watering plants for a half hour yeah. or, you know, just pruning things. There's just this zen to it that yeah. I'm, I'm able to experience. Mm-hmm. And because it's something that I get to, to it's physical, I get to use my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it, it, there's, there's just a beautiful way I get to connect. And I just, yeah, I, I encourage people to find, too, yeah. well, in this case, potted plants, but yeah, I get to get very still, intimate with pots. Yeah. With Not pot, pot. but pots. <laughs> oh, that's and funny. it's, Everybody should try to find something You're such to help a pothead. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> and I want to go, I want to buy more, but, you know, now I have, now I'm married and I have joint money, so I need to, to be <laughs> now you more. Have to, yeah, you have to be more aware. And I'm always spending money on gear because I'm, I'm always, I own a production company, so I need yeah. to always, you know, keep buying stuff and building it or fixing it. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just, it's part of the, the joy yeah. of it. So. She's still I, kicking you. Yeah, that's a, this is our relationship. We do this all the time. She's a kicker. I take up too much space, apparently. My puppy uh, loves to just get in the way on the bed between oh, yeah. my wife and I. She is, and she's she's an absolute cock block. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's how puppies are, and dogs. They're just like, no, it's about me, and touch uh, me, feel me. I'm going to get right in between you guys. Well, and... and it's like we try to get intimate and she like starts licking her feet or you know <laughs> sniffing your butt and it's oh, like oh yeah i know it's so this awkward is not right yeah i'm like can you leave please right like I, you go away and then if you <laughs> kick them out of the room and you put them on the outside then they just start barking you're i like, know you're like come on right like hey you know i don't I, we don't need much time like you know give us 15 minutes 15 minutes <laughs> we'll be quick about this we'll make this happen you know we we, we got kids like yeah. we can't we can't just always make time like let's just yeah the kids are gone right now just go away i know too many too many animals too many kids in the house i feel it i mean i just have a dog that's enough but you know i don't i don't have that problem i'm single so it's three kids (laughs) i just (laughs) three kids and two dogs in a the house is small i think it's like 900 square feet or something yeah oh wow yeah yeah very very but also means less less space to have to clean right which is nice that's nice. I like that. It means that our taxes stay low. Yeah. So it's it makes it I, yeah, affordable. Yeah, I just, I like, I mean, I don't like a big space. I, I have a lot of stuff, so I kind of need, like, an office and a bedroom. And then, like, I right now I have, like, a creative room. I, like, have four rooms that are mine. Like, I have this studio with my stuff. I have 
an office, a bedroom, and then I have a boutique with a bunch of clothes that I sell, I used to sell online. So it's like, damn, but I have to get rid of the boutique because I have a roommate coming in. <laughs> oh, expensive lifestyle for an artist. Oof. Yeah, I mean, I have to have a, a, you know, warehouse storage space for my gear. Yeah, right? So you get it. Like, we, like, have all this stuff. And that's then just we have my to production gear. To, then we have to pay to store it, and then it's confusing. Yeah. Like, why do we... Why is life so expensive? Because we're not the ones making the rules. Yeah, we uh, we are not. If we did... We're not the oligarch? Yeah, right? Uh, it's just like... All right, well, whatever. We could talk about money forever, but we won't. <laughs> um, is that... Okay, so... Well, I feel like we talked about a lot. Is there anything else that you want to... Are you doing only every Monday? Not at the moment. Okay. Um... Maybe I'll pop up on a few more. I mean, I, it's today. It's only it's only Monday. <laughs> I know it is only Monday. I mean, I might stop by my way home because it's only at Theodore Worth, but I got the. And it's so early, Jim. It's, that's the hard part. It's so early now. It's at like what? It's over kind of by Theodore Worth in Theodore Worth Park, right? Uh, it starts at four thirty, opposed to six or eight. Yeah, that's so that that's early. Makes it very hard for <laughs> me to do it in part because right now the the wife and I are down to one car. Oh yeah. So my brakes went out. Not a good thing. Oh no, that's not a good thing. They they actually I, I, they they started getting soft. And I could feel them when I'm driving driving home. I think I just gotten some food. I'm driving home and my brakes are getting soft. And I'm like, oh fuck, I know what this is. Mm-hmm. And they went out right as I pulled up to my spot. Oh no. Like if any if any guardian angel was looking out for me, that was the time because I mean they completely went out. They do they do not stop. That's scary. Right. That's really scary. I but someone right is watching I, over right, you. Happened right as I I pulled up and stopped. Oh my gosh. And not just do they not go out, the, the parking brake doesn't work or anything either, right? Oh like my it's gosh. just it's What? They're toast. I'm scared. That's yeah, scary. I I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but um I don't have a garage that I can I can okay. work on it, so Hopefully I can find somebody who can let me take my car there so I can start to work on it. Is that why you only have one? Because you had two cars, yeah. and then your brakes went out, and the other one got in an accident. We got rear-ended on our way to, to getting married. <laughs> yeah, you got rear-ended on your and way now, to getting married. Yeah. What? Well, I feel like that's good luck, because if that's the worst thing that's going to happen, that's then... That's how I felt, Yeah, you know? I always feel like some and sort insurance of... is covering that, so... That's getting fixed, and right now I just have a, a, a really, really tiny vehicle. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever, but... Yeah. It's the only one, and so it makes it with the so, with OEM being so early, it's it's impossible yeah. to to try to to juggle that. You know, mm-hmm. especially when like, you know, the kids two of the kids get done with school at four o'clock. We have Sad to pick them up. Sad day about and, Acadia. Oh, you know the the night before, because it happened on a Tuesday, and we'd yeah. had only every Monday. I was there that night. Yeah, and at the end of the fucking night, um, I had reset their sound system uh-huh. because surprise surprise so many places don't actually have audio engineers come in and tune things for them mm-hmm. um and Cass and I who had been doing sound for only every Monday had uh, been bringing some of our own gear to supplement it well mm-hmm. um, the following Monday neither of us were going to be available and we didn't want to whoever was going to cover for us we didn't want them to have to worry about what gear they needed to have sure and Cass and I just bring our own stuff because, like, sometimes it just makes it way easier for us, right? Um, but knowing that this person wouldn't have it, uh, 
I, I reset everything to make it easier for them. I mm-hmm. reset um, the the EQs and everything so it actually sounded decent in the, in the space. It made it easier for the people at the bar to be able to, to play music and make it sound good. And, you know, I was very happy. I'm like, all right, here you go. Everything's good. Now it's, you know, everything's yeah. set. And then the next fucking day, a bus runs through it. <sighs> did you see the videos? Oh, yeah. Oh. It was insane. So did the guy have, like, a heart, like, a heart, a stroke or something? I, I or don't like... want to spread rumors. Yeah, okay. Like, there's... Do we know? There's there's a lot of different theories, uh-huh. and I don't want to. That a bus ran through the wall, ran through the bar. Nobody got injured. There's the good side of it. Sounds like Acadia wants to rebuild, but there was structural support damage. So like he actually went through beams and yeah. damaged like the support of the building. If so. you watch the the video footage, he just like kept going. He he stopped and then he kept going. Yeah. Proceeded, and you know it. For the people who want to, I've I've heard people say, "Oh, it was intentional," and you know he must. How fast was he going to to fly through it? I would just very I much encourage them to uh, understand physics, mm-hmm. because buses are large vehicles. Mm-hmm. They have very powerful engines. Mm-hmm. Um, they have very high, uh, powerful torque. Mm-hmm. You know it bus is a big vehicle it Mm -hmm. takes a lot of energy to get a bus moving Mm -hmm. right that's what they're designed to do Mm -hmm. at the same time it takes a lot of energy to make that stop Mm -hmm. so it doesn't take a whole lot for a bus going at a normal speed Mm -hmm. to go through a building Mm -hmm. like it just doesn't Mm -hmm. and so and, and you and to prove that point even in the same videos the bus goes through the the outer wall mm-hmm. and then um, stops it as it kind of goes into the bar, mm-hmm. and then it plows right through the bar, yeah. right, and that uh, that's where, you know, they'd hit the gas again and it went through, and I think in this instance the only thing that I would say to that is, it, the, the person panicked, thought it was the brake, hit the gas, yeah, and and plowed through, and it just you know doesn't even it doesn't jolt or anything just plows, just starts driving right through. I mean that's. That's the power of these vehicles. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't matter the, in, in this case, intention or not, that this person wasn't driving 100 miles per hour in a bus to plow through the wall. It mm-hmm. wouldn't, t- it doesn't take a lot mm-hmm. for a vehicle that size to mm-hmm. go through. <laughs> I want to bash through a wall to go through walls. Yeah. And that's, that's just kind of the point. Yeah. So when you see people in semis and buses and other large vehicles something worth keeping in mind is that you know the reason that they're not just smashing into anything is because the operators of those vehicles are better than you're going to probably give them credit for yeah so yeah. so you don't think it was intentional there's no like conspiracy i don't think it was but i just i mean it was a, it was a, it was a trainee driver yeah okay you know i don't yeah. think he was trying to learn Ooh, to become a bus driver you know full-time driver yeah and Part of his, you know, getting there was to to drive through a wall. <laughs> I don't think that was on the the you know to do yeah. checklist. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. All Definitely right. a person who shouldn't be a driver. But, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's unfortunate Dang. series of events because Acadia was really getting the um, the energy and the people returning and they were doing a number of different shows on it the weekends. It was so great. My heart is broken. And they had fantastic coffee. 
Yes, they yeah. did an NA drinks and stuff and tea. I don't, I don't do NA drinks. Okay, you don't. Okay. But I've heard I about mean, them. I mean, I, okay, I'm going to be honest here. I used to really like the NA beers because I'm not, like I said, I'm not a big drinker. I, I used to be, but I am no longer. Um, so I like to drink NA beers when I go out. But recently, I realized that the NA beers just make me really tired. <laughs> like, it's just all, like, carbs and sugar. And I'm just like, mm, I can't do this. I didn't drink beer because I liked the taste. Most people say that. Like, they just drink it because you want to get drunk, right? I've, I've had some mocktails that I've enjoyed. Like, yeah. I can get down on a mocktail. Mocktails but... are just a bunch of juice. Right. Yeah, I uh, like juice and sparkles, sparkly water, and, yeah, and you know some maraschino cherries. And yeah, it's good. I love it. I love making good mocktail. Um, and teas are really yummy and stuff. So yeah, yeah I love it. But the NA beers and stuff, not really my dig. Like, yeah, I, I'd much rather enjoy a, a well-made root beer than an Ooh, NA beer. That's funny because I was at Cub and I was like, oh, I really want to buy Eric this root beer and like have root beer, and then I was like. Because who doesn't love root beer? And it was like in a can. It was that like I don't remember the brand. Oh, Lift nineteen. The, oh, the nineteen nineteen. Yeah, it's so good, right? And I was gonna get some, but then I was really like, good. I really don't need it. I shouldn't be spending money. <laughs> I'm like, I don't need it. Liftbridge beer or Liftbridge root beer is made in still water. And that stuff is really good. Really is good. Is that your favorite? Uh, what is your favorite? Uh, oh, what the what's the? Sh- I can't remember the name of Sheck. That's not Schecter, but it's, it's. I think it has a crow on it, and it comes in a glass bottle. And they sell it at Luce. Wine Hearts? No. No wine. No, I mean wine. Not wine hearts. Um, no. But it's. I think it's made in Wisconsin. Wine. Anyways, I probably <coughs> know and it. it's it's tons of sugar, mm. and it's gonna uh, you know sugar high. Oh, I get so I yeah. get so crazy. With sugar. Ooh. Well, ever since stopping drinking, I, I, I eat way too much things with sugar. I'm yeah, not supposed to. I still happens. haven't uh, kicked that because of that carb yeah. load that my body wants. Yeah. But that's hard. Piece at a time. Yeah. After drinking a lot, you crave sugar, right? Like huh? all that. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't smoke cigarettes to, you know, try to cut the cravings. Yeah. Do you smoke? Uh, pipe. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw your pipe. It's right there. Yeah. That's so classy. I wanted a pipe like that because sometimes. I used to just want just a little, yes. wow, wait, wait, hold on, wait, hold the phone, I'll, wait, I'll hold the phone, <laughs> I'm going to take a little photo, so, you know, I always wanted, like, sometimes I just want, like, a little, just a little nicotine, like, and I yeah. wanted a pipe like that, just, you know, just a little puff, Well, that's so cool, okay, wait, all right, wait, should you do, like, a Popeye-like thing, like, I don't know, you look like Popeye, this, wait, yes, there we go, yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, but yeah. Okay. Well, sweet. Thank you so much for coming on. This is yeah. like a real treat for me because um, same yeah, here. Th- you know, I've been I've been to a lot of your shows, and to have you on, I'm kind of like I feel like I'm in the presence of fame right uh, now. Not it's at great. All. Yeah. No. Well, you are famous in my world, so <laughs> you know, and I guess a lot of other people's worlds, you know, so. I, people don't recognize me, but they still recognize the name. Yeah. So that's, it's fun, but yeah. I'm, you know, it's a local thing. Yeah, it is. But it's still, you know what? We have our little, our little community here and I love it. Yeah. Hey, this is Eric Mitchell and you've been listening to the Excelsior Podcast. Awesome.